So when I was uh, texting back and forth with uh, our producer of Wake Up, Kevin Kruger, uh, related to Larry Kruger, by the way, um, I was telling him that I had a little segment that I think he's going to be able to make a video out of. And that segment is right here and right now. Larry, are you ready for the 2023 49er regular season awards? Yes. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second, Damon. Damon. Hold on. Hold on. Yes. Ooh. I've Ooh. got uh, something I want to add to that. Uh, hold on, hold Rapping. on. Oh my God! Well, I can't wait to see. This. <laughs> hey, Larry! Like Price Waterhouse, I have already selected all the winners and put them in an envelope. I actually did this segment on my show. Larry, I have all my answers. I'm not going to be changing my answers to fit your answers. Let's see how many of your answers align with my answers, how how similarly we think about this, how differently we think about this. Are you ready, sir? I absolutely am ready. <laughs> I'm going to try to do a better job hosting this segment than Joe Coy did the Golden Globes. Are we ready? Here we go. Yes. Larry, our first award, it's up to you to decide who it goes to. The category is Most Valuable Brock. Who do you think is the most valuable Brock on the San Francisco 49ers? Basically, we had to give you-know-who his own category because he would have won basically all the rest of them. So uh, Most Valuable Brock, which are you going with? Is there a second? There's only one, baby. I'm going with Brock. Purdy. Absolutely. I mean, a, a remarkable story, a rise from last pick in the draft to legitimate MVP candidate. All good things flow through Brock, and we just needed to get him up front because he could be your, your he's your team MVP. He's your Len Eshmont award winner in terms of inspiration. He is, uh, I, I think, maybe the media's choice for most cooperative 49er as well. Like Brock has just done an incredible job with any and all aspects of being a professional quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, which is harder than most professional quarterbacks have it. I mean, there's a difference. Are you a center fielder or are you a center fielder for the New York Yankees? Are you a shortstop or are you a shortstop for the New York Yankees? Are you a quarterback or are you a quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers? Because these things are not created equal. This man has risen and met every standard that could be applied to the most scrutinized position in, in maybe all sports. The guy's been incredible, absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, what can you say? He is, he's fantastic. Um, and, um, you know, he's, he's a, he is absolutely him. Um, and people who doubted this guy and I, I do get it because you didn't get a chance to meet him, but if you met this guy, you would say, Absolutely. Uh, you're not surprised. By the way, the all pro team is out as well. We can play with that when we're done with this. Our next award, Larry, and this is how you want to interpret it to decide whom to give it to. Who is your greatest difference maker? And we're taking Brock off the board for the rest of these categories. He's already won most valuable Brock, so he's eliminated from any and all consideration going forward. Greatest difference maker on the 2023 Niners regular season was? It has to be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had an amazing year. And from um, minicamp on, uh, he was he was the, the, the 49er player that shined brightest. Uh, he, he showed in minicamp that he was going to play at a Jerry Rice type level. And he stood out on a field of great players. He stood out as the greatest of great players um, with his effort and his athleticism. So Christian McCaffrey, without a doubt. I also selected Christian McCaffrey, and I'll buttress it with this. The 49ers were 12-4 in games that he played this season. He sat the Rams game, so he doesn't get credited for the loss in that. And in um, 2023, he made his debut against the Chiefs, caught a loss in his debut then the Niners won 10 in a row. His regular season record with the Niners when he plays, the Niners are 22 and 5. If you add the postseason to his tally, the 49ers are 24 and 6. 
since adding Christian McCaffrey. So if that's not a difference maker, I do not know what would be. Greatest individual performance in any one particular game. Larry, do you have a standout greatest individual performance of the 49ers this year? This is a harder category for you to just fill out mentally without. Does everybody have to only get one? So is McCaffrey and Purdy gone now? I will tell you that Christian McCaffrey is also the recipient of my greatest individual performance. And I chose Sunday, October 1st, where he had the four total touchdowns, 100 yards rushing, uh, 71 yards receiving, four total touchdowns against the Arizona Cardinals, who he scored seven of his 21 touchdowns against this season. So his first game against the Cardinals was a straight-up video game. Debo had one crazy game. Was it the Eagle game? Where he, he scored a great game against the Eagles. Yes, he did. Yeah, I might go with Debo against the Eagles. Just when you think of how big that was, uh, in hindsight, you know, I mean, that tunnel screen where he ran diagonally through the defense, even that was a great play by Christian to, to you know, freeze the linebacker Ellis with the fake. But um, Debo against the Eagles. I'll go Debo against the Eagles. Best new guy award, not necessarily rookie, best new guy. Wasn't on the team the year before, is this year. I gave it to Javon Hargrave. Where are you going? Um. Wow. Let me think about that for a second. Best new guy. Um. Well, you there haven't think- been there haven't been a lot of new guys. Right. I mean, it's not a long list to choose from. Yeah. Um, Javon Hargrave was the premier offseason acquisition for sure. But um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with um, a sleeper pick because I really think this was a a very, very significant addition. I'm going to go with Big John Feliciano, who has played outstanding at guard uh, for the 49ers in some games. I mean, he is talk about a guy who just nobody talked about. Talk about a move that nobody mentioned. Big John Feliciano has been really, really good at times at either guard spot, mostly right guard. Um, and they needed him badly because Burford struggled this year and didn't develop as quickly as I thought he would. I'm going to say Big John Feliciano. I was going to go with Feliciano, too, before I settled on Hargrave, who I just think did a great job with his seven sacks and filling in for a hurt at the end of the year, Eric Armstead. Um, You know, Chase Young could have been on the board, but I don't know if he's done enough. He's represented more of an idea than he has, like, actual big impact on any game. Uh, Jair Brown might have been a candidate, but I don't think he got enough snaps on his body. And unfortunately, you know, (laughs) Ron, Ron, excuse me, <clears throat> Ronnie Bell is is just not the guy to choose here. So, well, the, um, the, we're missing the guy who actually probably is the best new guy, and that's Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes was, you know, n- unlike most people who say, "Hey, come here and run your system," the Niners said, "Come here and run our system," and then he said, "Okay, I will," and then. Um, they they said, well, you know what? Don't get comfortable where you're comfortable. You get comfortable where we're comfortable. And then he came down out of the booth and onto the sideline. And I think he's been a, a really good addition. So it would be, for me, it would be Feliciano 1, Steve Wilkes 1A. Okay, you're going to have to put your thinking cap on, too, for this next category, Larry, because it's a little bit more in the abstract. It depends on who you concentrate on and who gets lost in your shuffle. Who is your winner of the never take that guy for granted award? Because there have been some outstanding seasons that just get lost in the shuffle of conversation because there's so many outstanding individual and collective seasons of success to talk about on the 49ers. But who do you have in the never take that guy for granted award category? I came up with two names. This is the only time I cheated and I split an award between two guys, but who do you think of when you think never take that guy for granted? We could talk about the Niners for probably 20 minutes, not bring up his name, but he's a key cog full stop. Well, I, you know, definitely uh, the first name that comes to mind is JJ uh, Jawan Jennings, but I'm not going that direction. 
I'm going to go with Dre Greenlaw, who's been a great player in the NFL and has never, ever gotten Pro Bowl consideration. And if let's just go, you know, right out of the chute, six tackles in week one against Pittsburgh, 11 tackles against the Rams, 10 against Arizona, 10 against the Vikings, never fewer than like eight from that point on. Um, 12 against the Ravens, 10 last week against Washington, dinged up. Um, just an incredible year for, for Dre Greenlaw. Um, you, you know, this guy is absolutely an amazing football player. Um, and, and, you know, he gets overshadowed by Fred Warner and Warner's, uh, you know, incredible as well. But I mean, these guys are closer than people realize as far as, you know, what their overall contribution is. Dre Greenlaw hits like a truck. He runs four or five. He, you know, the Niners asked their linebackers to control that entire second level. It's often kind of, kind of like a five-two look that they give you. And those two are Greenlaw and Warner. And Warner gets all the love and all the accolades. And I'm just going to say, Dre Greenlaw, shout out to Dre. I really do think that he is the Navarro Bowman to Fred Warner's Patrick Willis. I mean, he it's it's an incredible linebacker duo because of how good Greenlaw is and how outstanding Warner is as well. But yeah, they complement each other perfectly. That is an outstanding choice, Larry. Um, a lot of people on the text line are saying, what about Trent? Trent, 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 Trent. To me, like Trent is not even in the category of taking for granted. Who is taking who is taking Trent Williams for granted? The guy is the you know, he's he's the moon, he's the sun, he's the stars for that offensive line. There's no best doubt. player on the team. I mean, he, he's not somebody you take for do you what team do you take? You know, is the, the best player on your team is never taken for granted. Right. Ever. Um, I had two guys that just fit my definition of we probably take them for granted. One being Mooney Ward. Because, you know, even though he's going to the Pro Bowl this year, none of the secondary is allowed to operate as it operates without Mooney Ward, without a legit number one corner who can take on all the big boys and the bad checks that nobody else wants. Lenore never would have found his, you know, water level on this defense. You don't get to Ambry Thomas on this defense. You don't get um, Steve Wilkes doesn't get to operate the defense the way that he wants to without a guy like Javarius Ward, who was just spectacular this year. And the other guy, Larry, I'm going with George Kittle. I feel like George Kittle for a guy who gets a ton of attention and camera time is still almost hidden in plain sight. He had a sneaky 65 catch 1000 yard season. When we sit around and talk about the great performances, George Kittle's name's not going to come up once and it should, but he does get lost in the sauce because he is so good. I, there are better blocking tight ends maybe in football who are just blocking tight ends. I couldn't name them. Charlie Werner is a hell of a blocking tight end. He's not good as good as Kittle, but there are great blocking tight ends out there. There are probably better receiving tight ends than George Kittle, but when you package them all into the position, I still think that he is the prototype. He is the best all things tight end in football. Um, and he deserves it. He's he's in a tight end class all by himself. No one fills the entire role of tight end better than George Kittle. Uh, rookie of the year. Again, a very short list to choose from. Larry, I I, I don't I don't want to steer your decision making. Without reservation, I go with Jake Moody. I know he's a little bit of a you know a, a, a persona non grata this past week, but uh, Jake Moody went twenty one to twenty five. Missed four field goals all year. Only missed one point after touchdown after setting the rookie record. Jake Moody, even though he has absolutely contributed to the loss column at least twice, has had a really good rookie year for a kicker. Full stop. I'm going Jair Brown. I mean, Jair Brown, it's really hard to step in at safety. This guy, you know, Fafanga went down. Uh, Gibson at times has been hurt. Um, the, you know, Jair Brown, there's nothing that he can't do and do well. He's got great ball skills and coverage down the field. He's like another linebacker in the box. Um, he, he, his, his enthusiasm and, and, you know, for the game is just awesome. Um, and look at the production. I mean, the guy stepped in, um, and he's, he gives you five, six tackles in almost every game. 
Um, you know, he's been good. He's got a couple of interceptions. Uh, he's he's made some big plays. So I'm going to say Jair Brown. By the way, look at how difficult it is to win any postseason award. We've given out a lot that could be interpreted in a whole bunch of different ways. We haven't even gotten to the name Brandon Ayuk. You know, I mean, Brandon Ayuk had a spectacular year. Could have been a, a runaway winner and and maybe more than one of these categories. But that's how hard it is to win. Our final category, Larry. This is maybe the the toughest to decipher too. Who is your 2023 most improved player? And remember, you still cannot pick Brock Purdy. So it's got to come from somewhere else. Who is the most improved 49ers player? I have two runner-ups and then absolutely my winner. Before I share mine, I'd like to hear yours. Most improved 49er. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with a guy who um, I absolutely know is the correct answer. Um, I'm going to go with Demo. Diamador Lenore. Diamador Lenore has been, um, you know, this guy, I talked to him in, in training camp. I said, Demo, man, it looks like you've, uh, you've, you've, uh, you know, you look a little lighter than, uh, uh, you know, than last year. And he's like, you know, actually, I put on weight. And I said, really? That's amazing because you look totally different. And he spent his offseason at the Mamba Institute down in Southern California. And this kid just badly wants it. And he repositioned his body. He lost some fat. He gained some muscle. And he showed up this year as a guy who was ready to play full-time on the corner and to be a hitter. He's not just a, just a cover guy. This guy can cover you. He's competitive. You saw that night-night hit that he had on the Eagle running back in the fourth quarter of the Eagle game. Demo Lenore has emerged. He does something that that's amazing. He can play in the slot and then bounce out to the boundary and then bounce back to the slot and play both spots equally well. They're totally different, especially in the run game. In the in the run game, the, the slot corner is basically like a linebacker in the box. And um, this guy is physical and he's tough and he's fast. And he's incredibly improved. So I'm going to say Demo. I think it's a fine choice. Fine choice. I, I won't argue with it at all. My two runner-ups in third place, I have Debo Samuel. He said he'd never have a year like 2022 again, and his 2023 was a lot better to me. That's improved. And for the 49ers to be at their most dangerous, Debo is right in the center of those game plans and those games. So... I'm going with Debo as a third runner-up, second runner-up, Colton McKivitz. Remember, the right side of that offensive line was supposed to be the reason why this year would stop short of its full goals. I think that he plays next to the weakest spot on the team, which is right guard, and he has done more than appoint himself well at right tackle. He had at least the equivalent of, if not better than year, than Mike McGlinchey. I'm giving Colton McKivitz, who handled that right tackle job better than I think anybody thought he would, certainly based on you know everything we heard coming out of training camp. So I'm going to go with McKivitz as my first runner-up, but my winner from the same group that Lenore comes from, I'm going to go with Ambry Thomas because I think that this is the year he turned himself into a real NFL player and a real starting caliber corner who can run with anyone. He's big enough to tackle anybody. I thought it was his addition taking over. Uh, for Oliver right after that bye week, which really changed the season arc of this defense. And again, Lenore is right in that conversation too. Um, I, I'm not surprised that both of us took a, a young corner. And I do think that young corner play has been the key of the Niners being allowed to be who they've been. I mean, without these young guys, without that young group stepping up, none of this is happening. So Steve Wilkes gets an awful lot of credit for that. And remember, Steve Wilkes began this year kind of on the outs with a lot of Niners fans. He has turned his reputation around to the point where he might be most improved um, based on where the year started and where it finishes with Steve Wilkes and his group. And each of us took a, a player from his group uh, of, of young, young secondary players. And, and there you go. There are your 49ers postseason awards. Is there... Any category that you would like to illuminate, Larry, is there any name that you feel like we haven't done our jobs correctly unless we, in a season recap, talk about this guy right here, right now, 
Again, we kind of already mentioned Brandon Ayuk, who's been spectacular all year. Did we leave anyone else out? Yeah, I do think we we left out. Um, not you know we covered almost everybody. We covered almost everybody. But um, you know, as far as guys that were you know really impactful, um, that that you know we we left out. I I think we left out two um, that we have to mention here, and that is the forgotten guys, um, the guys that are damn good and nobody talks about them ever. And I'm going to say George Odom on special teams. Now he's coming back this week. Hopefully they opened his window and there's a chance they'll activate him. George Odom is a pro bowl special teamer. And this guy just absolutely makes play after play after play on coverage. He's really, really good. Um, they, they invested the money to go get a top tier special teamer. And that's exactly what George is. He's a tone setter. And to me, tone setter is like the highest compliment I can pay anybody on a football field is that, man, these guys set the tone. George Odom is one of those guys. Great guy. Uh, go check out my YouTube interviews of him. And he's just he's a, he's very real. Uh, he's a man of faith. He's just a really he's a good dude. He's a hard hitter. And nobody you could come name a bunch of guys and people would never name him. So I'm going to say George Odom. And the other guy that I think is really looked over and um, needs to be recognized as big Aaron Banks at left guard. He's sitting there next to Trent Williams, and he's just doing his job. And it's like a really good offensive lineman is oftentimes just not noticed. And that's what Aaron Banks is. He's a really good offensive lineman. Second-round pick out of Notre Dame. A lot of people thought he was a bust. He really did emerge this year as an outstanding player. He's going to be a 10-year pro. Um, He's smart. He's tough. You know, there's a reason the Niners run left when they run their most successful runs. It's between Banks and Trent on the left side. So Banks is a he's a you know, he's a a, he's a Coke machine with wheels. You know what I mean? He's like that broad um, and he's just he's smart. He's tough. He's played hurt. um, He's battled a very painful turf toe. Um, You know, I, I talk to him almost every week and and it's like, dude. This guy, you know, he, he also had his a, a baby boy born this year, so he's had a new addition to his family. And, um, you know, it's like we've had a lot of fun this year talking about life, talking about family, talking about football. And, you know, he's a tough guy, uh, but he, he's a Bay Area son. He's from El Cerrito. Uh, love Aaron Banks, man. Tremendous player. Very, very underrated 49er. Here's how good of a season Aaron Banks had. We didn't mention him once. Yeah. And that's the ultimate compliment you can give to an interior lineman. Didn't mention his name once. That's how good he was. He never stood out. He was never a problem. We didn't have to discuss him. Don't worry about that guy. He's He's been fantastic. The other guy whose name I just think needs to be used based on the amount of snaps that he's gotten, the amount of responsibility, and the way that he's answered the bell finally in his first healthy year in the NFL is Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw is never going to be a pro bowler. Javon Kinlaw is no one's going to go out and buy a Kinlaw Jersey. He does an awful lot of that garbage man work. He, you know, he absorbs the blocks that allow other people around him to have more shine put on him. You know, uh, there's no way that Cleland Farrell has the impactful year that he's had without Javon Kinlaw because they get a lot of reps together. Um, so I just want to put his name out there too, but it's, it's really been an outstanding year of football from the 49ers. You know, their, their blind spots have been far and few between and their defeats have been far and few between. We know that three of them came in that bunch right before the bye week but man, that just feels like a million years ago. And, um, it's why, it's why the expectations for this postseason are, you know, nothing short of parade goes up market street and those are incredible incredible expectations for everyone to just assume you're going to meet them this year you're ready it's your year who is the biggest threat to the 49ers in the super bowl should they reach it larry who's the one team that if you could eliminate them from the afc right now you would do it based on threat to the 49ers 
A lot of people think it's going to be um, the Baltimore Ravens, but for me, it's not. Um, the 49ers can beat the Baltimore Ravens. The team that is the scariest coming out of the AFC is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were 6-6, six and six, and now they've won five in a row. And if they wind up in Vegas on Super Bowl Sunday, they will have won eight in a row. And Josh Allen, as sure as we're sitting here, is absolutely going to win a Super Bowl in his career. And I just don't want to see it be this year. So um, it's Buffalo to me. Their defense is coming on. Von Miller's back. Daquan Jones is back. Um, they almost didn't make the playoffs. What's really scary about the Buffalo Bills beyond Josh Allen is that because they got off to that 6-6 six and six start after 12 games, they have been in playoff mode longer than any team. And that means that there's a razor's edge toughness to them. They've been playing on the edge, knowing that if they lose, they go home. And that's a tough, it's a tough thing to, tough uh, way to play. And they've found a way to win in that capacity uh, five in a row. So I, um, I, I'll be, I'm very afraid of the Buffalo Bills if, if they're there in, uh, in Vegas because they will have won eight in a row and they've got a hall of fame type talent at quarterback who's up and down. And a lot of people say, Oh yeah, but he's only four, you know, 500 in the playoffs. Well, he'll be quite a bit above 500 if they get there, right? He's going to be, he's four and four. Now he'll be seven and four in on super bowl Sunday. If uh, they get there and um, Buffalo worries me, Von Miller can be a pass rush all unto himself. And, um, you know, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, and it's just, you know, the Buffalo Bills, definitely the Buffalo Bills. I think the Niners could have beat, can beat the Ravens um, if they don't turn it over five times. Yeah. Um, but I, but I don't, you know, and I, I don't know if Buffalo gets to the winner's circle, they're going to have unfreaking believable momentum if they get to Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills. Ravens, Bills, did, you know, either one of them is a definite candidate for don't want. Let me just put two more in front of you. You don't want the Cleveland Browns on a heater. And even though they might not be who they used to be, Patrick Mahomes is enough of a magician to where in a big game with the best defense he's ever had, he's probably finding 24 points for you in a big game. So That's are you call. ready? To, yeah. Are you, are you ready to score? at least 24 against the Kansas city chiefs. And that's a pretty good defense. So um, it, it's a very it's, good defense. It's a very yeah. good defense. But the only thing I'll say about the chiefs and, and you know, people have been blaming and framing uh, their receivers as horrible all year. And they are, I mean, they've dropped a ton of balls, 25 from their wide receivers. They lead the NFL in drops, but their tackles have made tons of penalties. Mahomes has not had a stellar year. Travis Kelsey, Despite being, you know, uh, you know, Taylor Swifted and all these people loving Travis Kelsey and knowing Travis Kelsey, it's ironic because he was, this was his down year, really career-wise. And I just think that, uh, you know, Kansas City has more problems offensively than just their receivers don't catch the ball. Yeah, but, I'll, I'll uh, say this for Travis Kelsey too, who has looked a little bit older, slowed down a little bit more this year, especially at the end of the year. I think all those NFL reps eventually put a tax on your body. His body's paying that tax right now. There was nowhere to go but down yeah. for Travis Kelsey. Like, that's how good he was last year. He he was borderline Jerry Rice last year. That's how dangerous and good he was in just the last couple of years. So um, there was nowhere to go but down for Kelsey. And once you start, look at it this way. Larry, I got a really good work ethic. I do believe you you do as well. We work hard. If either one of our wives are billionaires or we were dating a billionaire, I bet you we'd work a little less hard, just a little, just a scotch, right? You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's human nature. It's human nature. You start looking at that exit plan. Not that Travis is looking at Taylor Swift as a meal ticket because um, he's got enough money to never run out of it in his own right. But, oh, my God. I mean, you know. What's the old uh, Marvin Hagler line? It's it's hard to go do your road work when you're sleeping in 10,000 count silk sheets. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's got a little something to do with it slowing down. But look, you know, as, as we're watching with the Golden State Warriors, for so many athletes, when it's over, it feels like it comes to a screeching halt. 
You know, you think that you're going to get a good grace of a gradual downhill. You know, a lot of people to improve as athletes, there's a gradual uphill. You know, not all not all performance is linear, but it feels like a gradual uphill. And then when you get to the the plateau of your career, you're lucky to ride out a few years at that all pro level. And then you think, okay, well, like any hill, it's going to be a gradual drop off on the other side. No, in sports, sometimes it goes boom. You're done. You you went from really good to cannot play. And, and we're seeing that in sports. We've seen it a million times. We'll see it a million times more. Um, again, this is why LeBron James might truly be the single greatest basketball player of all time because nobody's done better in a one-on-one game against father time ever than LeBron has. Um, and it's just, you know, it, screeching halts or how so many careers end, screeching halts. So I think Kelsey's doing a pretty good job battling his screeching halt. He's not there, but it feels like it could be coming. Um, it's been a hell of a week, a hell of a week for sports headlines, uh, coaching change, and it looks like we have our first official next guy up to report. All precincts are reporting that Jared Mayo is going to be named the next head coach in the New England Patriots, um, almost following in the D'Amico Ryan's footsteps, where D'Amico was, you know, he he played for one team. He played really, really well for one team. He, you know, comes back as the head coach of that team. Jared Mayo only played for the New England Patriots. He was an all-pro. He won a Super Bowl with them. He has been a coach on that staff. All he knows is the Patriots, and it looks like he's the next guy up. That's a really good hire for the Patriots. And, you know, them them going with a defensive coach is the maybe, like, I thought that that would be the difference maker. Like, okay, so the Patriots really need to rev up this offense again. Maybe they're going to look for an offensive mind. But, no, Jared Mayo is, is the hire. Well, what they're looking for is they're trying to keep what they have, which is they've got a pretty good defense, and they want some continuity there. But let's make no mistake about it. I mean, they need a major overhaul offensively. It's a horrendous offensive football team. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see who they hire as their offensive coaches and what they do at quarterback. I mean, they don't, they have the worst collection of offensive talent in football. Um, and so but this allows them to, you know, not have chaos across both sides of the ball. Right. So now, yes, Belichick rides off into the sunset but there's continuity on defense and it's a defense that they like. Um, and so they'll stay with the same scheme and they'll have less turnover there and they still got to sign Kyle Duggar. Uh, he's a free agent. So, um, you know, so that, and Josh Ushi, so they're, you know, they're arguably one of their best players in the back end and one of their best players on the, on the front have to be resigned, but if they can resign those key free agents and have Mayo step in for Belichick, they probably don't lose a, uh, anything defensively, and then it's all about just improve their offense. So I think they're just, I don't know how it's going to work out, but, um, you know, they leaned on Tom Brady. There's an awful lot of talk, too, that Josh McDaniels is going to find his way back to New England, and maybe there's some continuity there by having him come back. He failed miserably with the Raiders. He failed in Denver as a head coach. Some guys top out as coordinators, and I could see McDaniels coming back as the OC and, and uh, you know, trying – trying to go that route so obviously you know Kraft wants to go with people that they're comfortable with and that they know and so um mcdaniels would make sense as the oc because he knows him and obviously they the continuity piece with mayo so we'll see how it works out i think the patriots are going to be bad for a while yeah i i do too it's going to take them a while in an emerging afc east bills aren't going anywhere dolphins are on the come and, you know, uh, the Jets with a healthy quarterback are going to be a different animal than they were this year. So, yeah, it feels like the the Patriots have quite a bit of work to do before they get back to any New England Patriots status that threatens for, you know, championships quite like the way they used to. Um, it's 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 been a, a week of change in, in the NFL, and it leads us into Super Wild Card Weekend which comes roaring in 1.30 West Coast Saturday on NBC. We get going with Browns and Texans. Feels like the Texans always get that first up on a Saturday slot, but they're happy to be there this time because you want to talk of, about ahead of schedule. 
with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach, um, the Texans have a pretty darn good shot to beat the Browns, even though the Browns are are minus two in this game. Uh, I, I do think the Browns probably win this game. Stefanski's had a hell of a year keeping a team on track that's been dealing with injury and change everywhere. Uh, Browns and Texans is a very sneaky, interesting game. Even though it's our first up, it's one of the most interesting of the entire weekend. Yeah, I mean, you got a rookie quarterback going against the number one defense in football. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I like I like the Browns to to win this game, even though Houston will be at home. Houston, it's amazing the difference between the this Texans team with that rookie receiver from Houston, uh, Tank Dell, and when he's been out. They, you know, their 20-yard plays have gone down. They still have good receivers, Nico Collins, Noah Brown. I think Robert Woods is hurt in this game. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be a good football game, but I like the Browns. You know, the Browns have have great players. Though The one thing that's kind of late-breaking on, uh, on this story is that Denzel Ward is dinged up now. And Denzel Ward is, is, is like 50-50. I think he's questionable uh, to play in this game, and that could hurt. That yeah. could hurt uh, the Browns quite a bit. But, um, yeah, he's questionable. And the one thing about the Browns and Joe Flacco, they do turn it over a lot, you know, but they also take the ball away. They got J.O.K., uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa in the, in the middle, and uh, he's a, as good a linebacker as I think there is right now. And then, of course, Miles Garrett might be the best defensive lineman in football. So um, I like I like, uh, I like like the Browns. I You know, I like the Browns to, to – I think the Browns are going to be – you know, like they're not going to win it all and they're not going to the Super Bowl, but they're going to be that story in the early part of the playoffs. I think there's a I think they win this game and I think there's a very good chance they knock off the Ravens. Then you better be ready to let your peacock plumage out because you got to go over to Peacock to watch Dolphins and Chiefs. Again, that is a Big, big game to put behind a paywall on a Saturday, but that's how they're going to get you to sign up for Peacock because if you're a football fan, you have to watch Dolphins and Chiefs and what you know it, they're saying is going to be like six-degree weather at Arrowhead. It's going to be bone-chilling, and we know how poorly historically Miami's done uh, when, when, when the temperature drops below freezing for them in any road game. Dolphins, Chiefs, do you give Josh McDaniel a puncher chance at, at Arrowhead? No, no, I don't. Um, I mean, you know, they, they just signed Bruce Irvin. They just signed, um, you know, Houston. I mean, they lost Bradley Chubb, who had a great year. And, you know, they, they lost Jalen Phillips. And then they had Van Ginkle as their third defensive end. Now he's out. There's going to be no Jerome Baker. So you can make an argument that, Four of their top five defensive players are out in this game. Two is not reading coverage. I think this is the easiest cover of the weekend. Take the Chiefs, give the three and a half points, um, and don't think twice. Mahomes is nine and two at home in the playoffs. Uh, Miami hasn't won a playoff game since you know two thousand or something like that. I mean, it's go. You got to go way back. They were competitive last year in the cold weather against uh, Buffalo. But this year, I think they're going to fold like a cheap suit. Tyreek Hills returned to Arrowhead unless he has like a 200-yard game. I don't know how the Dolphins do it. Um, we move on to Sunday. And you want to talk about I don't know how they do it because if they were to do it, it was going to be with an overwhelming defensive effort. And I don't know how the Steelers can have an overwhelming defensive effort with neither Micah Parsons nor TJ Watt playing. And neither of those guys are going to go for the Steelers at the Bills, 10 a.m. West Coast time, CBS, Sunday morning. Steelers at the Bills. It feels like Bills in a romp. They're minus 10, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be freezing. The one thing that's a little scary in this game is, um, you know, I, I, I may tease this down with the under just simply because it's a low, it's a low number. Um, so I may tease it up and then go under. But, I, you know, it's 10 is a lot because it could be a very low-scoring game. The weather's going to be horrible. Like, they're saying, Damon, there may be like 40 or 50-mile-an-hour winds. So that should favor the Steelers from the standpoint of if it's a run-only kind of a game, 
you know, they've got uh, Warren and Najee, some power backs, you know, they, they might be able to stay in this game a little bit, but Minka's nowhere near 100%. There's no TJ Watt. Um, the Bills are, are peaking. Wait, nowhere um, near, are, do you, are you saying that Fitzpatrick is going to play? Because what I read this earlier this week was that he was out. I heard last night that he's going to try to give it a go. He he hasn't practiced, though, in weeks. Okay. So I, I, I like Buffalo. I like Buffalo big in that game. I do, but too. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. So, like, if you told me that the Bills won that game um, 17-3, I could see it. What if I told you that the Dallas Cowboys lost their first home game of the year in the wild card round to the Green Bay Packers, fired Mike McCarthy when the game was over and went and hired Bill Belichick as their next head coach? What do you think of that? Bill Belichick and the Dallas Cowboys after McCarthy gets fired after dropping his 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 playoff opener at home. The green this is the one where people Niner fans are gonna if if Green Bay pulls the upset, people are gonna be like, Oh yes, yes, Dallas, Dallas is uh is is done. But in reality, that means Green Bay comes to San Francisco and Green Bay is, I think, gonna be a tougher opponent for the Niners to beat than Dallas. Green, Dallas can't stop the run. And Green Bay's got, you know, a lot of good weapons uh in the past game. Um, I like Green Bay. I'll take Green Bay in those points all day, every day. They've got really young weapons. They're one of the youngest teams to make it to the playoffs in decades. They're so young that they don't realize what, what they're doing and where they're at. And the real reason I love Green Bay is that their D-line is really playing ball right now. And when I say their D-line, I'm talking about Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Carl Brooks, these guys are all sacking the quarterback and they're opportunistic on the back end with Savage and Jair Brown or Jair Alexander, I should say. And um, Jair's right, Larry. Yeah, yeah I got to get my Jair's <laughs> right. But I, I, I love, uh, I love, uh, uh, you know, Dallas is a Dallas has played the easiest schedule and they took apart every bad team by an average of 30 points a game. So people look at that point differential and their record at home and go, oh, Dallas is a freaking juggernaut at home and this and that. No, they beat the Commanders. They beat Patriots. They beat all these dog meat teams. Green Bay, Jordan Love in his last eight games has 18 touchdowns and one pick. And their young young uh, uh, position player talent from – are there, uh, you know, skilled guys, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, uh, Christian Watson's playing in this game, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs. They still have Aaron Jones. Give me Green Bay. I'm taking Green hey, Bay Brian, all day. Brian Gutekunst is building a monster in Green Bay. Everybody talks about Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. It's Green Bay. Green Bay is going to be that team that's coming. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there's still a future play as far as the Super Bowl is concerned, but they're going to be good enough to say goodbye to Dallas. And I think McCarthy, uh, the McCarthy era ends this weekend. It'd be interesting to see what kind of game Aaron Jones has. He's questionable right now. I bet he does play the, the, the running back with the most yards, I think is the running back who wins that game. You know, Jones or Pollard, who's it going to be? So it's it's it it's, should be a hell of a game. That is on Fox, five o'clock NBC. If you would like a wild card game with drama and storylines dripping all over it, it is the Lions who are hosting their first playoff game in thirty years, and of course, it's Matthew Stafford who is coming in to ruin that party. Wow, uh, we of course have the. Uh, you know, Jared Goff tied to the Rams and he's in Detroit. Now there are, there's, there's so much back and forth on these rosters in the quarterback positions alone. Um, Rams and lions. It feels like the Rams are the, the popular choice here. I almost hope it's the lions, Larry. I want to see the Detroit lions win a home playoff game just to hear what that sounds like in Detroit. Uh, my gut, is with the Lions. My head is with the Rams. I like the over. Nobody, nobody's going to stop anybody in this game. This is going to be a shootout day. By the way, fifty-one and a half. Yeah, I would. I would. That's another one. I would tease it down and go over. Uh, the the um, the Lions are twenty-fifth in the league in yards per game allowed through the air, 
and the Rams come in throwing the heck out of the ball. But that atmosphere is going to be crazy. I think golf's going to have a great game. Um, I don't think the Rams can stop the Lions, but I don't think the Lions can stop the Rams. And I think the crowd's going to be going nuts. The Rams are a one-third of a team. Their special teams are putrid. Their defense is just passable. They're only an offensive team. The Lions are a complete football team that's just not quite ready to roll. And they're Miss Laporta in this game. They're saying he's going to go. No. Yeah, they're saying he's going to go. They're saying he's going to go. Now, I don't believe he's going to be much of a factor, but I think you know he's a tough ass. He's going to he's going to he's going to give it a shot. Um, But I just like Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery running the ball. I think Dan Campbell is going to have a great game plan. I think they're going to play ball control. They're going to they're going to dominate the time of possession. They're going to keep the Rams offense on the sidelines and the Lions are going to find a way to beat the Rams um, in in Detroit. So I like the Lions in that game. I think the crowd carries them. As I said, I just think the Lions are are a complete football team that's a year ahead of its schedule. The Rams are one third of a football team. So I'll take the complete football team over the one third team. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. Okay, thank you very much, Coach Campbell. <laughs> and then, Larry, we That's wrap awesome. up Wild Card Weekend on a Monday night where you can't put more pressure on a football team and a head coach than is on the Eagles and Nick Sirianni to stop the free fall that they've been in about the last six weeks since they played the Niners. Everything around the Eagles is bad and negative, and they're going to Tampa Bay to take on a Buccaneers team which nobody's talking about. If yeah, Tom Brady, if Tom Brady were still the quarterback, oh, Buccaneers would be a, a huge story. But because it's Baker Mayfield, they're as under the radar as any playoff team. I guarantee you, most football fans, if we asked them, name every single team playing this wild card weekend, I bet you the most football fans would leave the Buccaneers out of it. They're forgotten, they're hidden in plain sight. I think they beat the Eagles. Yeah, I do too. Um, and this could be the end of the Sirianni era. Unbelievable, but I think it's very possible. The Eagles are coming apart at the seams. They did get one team here in Tampa that they might be able to handle, but you just got housed by the New York Giants. You just lost at home to the Arizona Cardinals. Now you're going to roll into Tampa and with your lousy pass defense and, and mediocre pass rush, you're somehow going to beat a team that has Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. No, I'll take Tampa. I like Tampa in that game. Um, the Eagles are favored. The wrong team's favored. That's all based on rep. I'll take Tampa and those, and, and you're getting two and a half in Tampa. You're getting, I think the better team, um, you know, it would take the Eagles to get off the canvas and really show something here. And, um, I don't think they're I don't think they're capable. I think their problems are real. Not only that, every week that goes by, their problems get worse. Their pass defense has been bad all year. Their pass rush is not great. And recently they're not stopping the run either. So I'm not that Tampa's got a great runner, but I like Tampa at home to get that done. I do too. And that brings us to the conclusion of our what's coming up during Super Wildcard Weekend, which means, Larry, it's official. We have achieved and we have reached. Every time I play that, Ray Ratto dies just a little bit inside. He hated that so much. Um, so there Where it is, is Ray these days. I don't know. I do not. I don't know. I, I haven't reached out to him in 2024 yet. Uh, he, he will eventually make the show reluctantly at some point, I would imagine. Um, or maybe not. Maybe he's deleted my number from his phone and we'll never hear from Ray again. We just don't by know. The, by the way, if uh, we're talking about Belichick's next spot, what do you think of Philly? Roster loaded and ready to go. Um, you got a GM in place. He doesn't have to be the GM. It's in the Northeast. He's obviously comfortable living in the Northeast. Um, it's not that far away from New England. He's got some pieces on defense. You know, they need to retool their secondary in the worst way. If there is there a better person on the planet to help you retool your past defense than Bill Belichick? Probably not. 
Uh, way, I, I, uh, I think Belichick and Philly make a lot of sense. Johnny F. Groove says Ray was on KNBR yesterday. Oh, well, no wonder why we haven't heard him and can't find him. <laughs> <laughs> He's hiding in plain sight. Did he stay um, awake? Yeah. So there you go. Uh, there is your wild card weekend preview. And now I guess, Larry, we've officially reached the point in the show where it's time to check out some of the comments that have come through. Uh, well, first of all, let's announce the All-Pro team. There's five Niners on the All-Pro team and two Niners on the second team All-Pro team. So here's the All-Pro team. And this is the AP All-Pro team. This is not the NFLPA All-Pro team. Okay. This was selected by national panel of 50 media members. So this is the actual All-Pro team for this season. At quarterback... Lamar Jackson at running back Christian McCaffrey. And this, there's only one guy per per uh, league. I mean, it, it's both conferences at fullback Kyle Husecheck at tight end, not Taylor Swift's boyfriend, George Kittle at wide receiver Tyreek Hill, CD lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Amon Ross finally gets some recognition. For left, a guy who didn't make the Pro Bowl, being all pro is something else. Yeah, and it's happened a few times before. Left tackle, Trent Williams. Left guard, Joe Thune, Kansas City. Center, Jason Kelsey, Philadelphia. Right guard, Zach Martin, Dallas. Right tackle, Panay Sewell, Detroit. He's a monster. We flip the card. We go to defense. Edge rushers, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. Interior linemen, Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. Linebackers, three of them. Fred Warner, Roquan Smith, Quincy Williams of the Jets. Corner, Sauce Gardner and Deron Bland. Slot corner, Trent McDuffie, Kansas City. Safeties, Kyle Hamilton, Antoine Winfield Jr. Another guy that missed out on the Pro Bowl, unbelievably. Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, place kicker, the rookie, Brandon Aubrey of Dallas, the punter, A.J. Cole of the Raiders, the kick returner, Kayshawn Nixon of the Packers, the punt returner, Rashid Shahid, New Orleans, special teamer, Miles Killebrew, Pittsburgh, long snapper, Ross Matissic, Jacksonville. Oh, Pepper got screwed. There you go. And as far as the second teamers, uh, the highlights, we won't give you the whole second team unit, but... Um, on the second team unit, um, it says at wide receiver AJ Brown, Puka Nakua, asterisk, Brandon Ayuk, um, asterisk, Mike Evans. I'm not sure what the asterisk is for. Let me see if it says at the bottom. Asterisk means tied for the second team spot. So there you go. Okay. So yeah, it was. Uh, oh, so so Puka and um, Ayuk tied. You know, Bucko Sports picks out something here on the text line that immediately hit my ear, too. Are you telling me that Micah Parsons is not an All-Pro? Right. Well, not a first-team All-Pro. He's a second-team All-Pro. Okay. Second-team All-Pro is Micah Parsons. But I should say, uh, Ayuk actually is not an asterisk. Oh, yeah, it is. I, it's Ayuk and Evans both got the asterisk. So they're both on the second-team All-Pro list. Other Niners on the second-team All-Pro list include um charvarius ward charvarius so ward deserves it he absolutely deserved it. it to me that would have been a huge oversight fred warner did you say he's a first team first all team pro? first team Good. all pro five niners first team all pro two niners second team all pro uh there you go seven combined first or second team all pros for the 49ers all right now it's time for now it's officially time let's get into the super chats what do you got larry well, we read this one before. Ricky Williams, we lost Adam to the Commanders. Adam Peters is now with the Washington Commanders. If you're joining us late, didn't hear it earlier, Adam Peters out of the Niners front office. Bob Myers gets his guy. Kilo TW, should the Niners be worried about the ran about the rain next week? It's going to be raining all next weekend. Um, I don't think so. The Niners are a team that can has an exceptionally strong running game. So, um, you know, um uh, just makes things a little bit more random, but no, I would, I, I, you know, it's not candlestick where it's going to be a quagmire. The turf at Levi's is pretty solid. So I think it might hold up actually. Um, I don't think that should be a concern. Like the teams that can't run 
would be the teams that really have to be concerned in the rain. JJ Raider says, you're crazy, Larry. You're crazy. Sure, that was my Belichick point. That was the Belichick point, absolutely. Brady Hill says, what are some things in the CFL you like opposed to the NFL? Um, I, I like the three downs in the CFL where you're thinking pass, pass, pass all the time. Um, so you, it makes you be a more – you're trying to score on every play in the Canadian League. And I'll say this, I think in a wider field, which the CFL has the wider field, um, there's the, it highlights the athleticism more. So you have, you know, it's, it's, it's more emphasis on movement and less emphasis on just brute force. So these gigantic fat bodies that play defensive tackle or offensive guard in the CFL, you got to have movement ability because it's just a wider field. So I, I, that's what I like. I don't think that there's, any need for the NFL to adapt a, a single element of CFL football, a deeper end zone to give you more room to operate might increase red zone scoring. Um, That's interesting. Maybe, maybe make red, red, red zone pass attempts go up and, 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 and a little bit more exciting to me that the, the only pre-snap the only, motion. I mean, like you can move towards the line of scrimmage in the CFL pre-snap. Right. I would say that the only sport that needs to grow its playing surface is the NBA. Yeah. The too NBA many... needs to grow its court. The players have become too big. Well, not like that. I mean, how many and when we were when we were kids, or even when we were teenagers, even when we were in our twenties, nobody hardly ever stepped out of bounds. You can't watch ten minutes of an NBA game without somebody stepping on the baseline. Right. On you know, it's like every and this pace and space era of basketball. You know, people want to stay spread out so badly. Well, as soon as you get the ball on the perimeter and you make a drive to the hoop, that back foot steps out of bounds. I mean, it happens so so often that it's it's almost ridiculous. By the um, way, could you imagine pre-snap motion towards the line of scrimmage being allowed? Can you imagine if Tyreek Hill got a running head start on you? How, how do you even defend that? Oh, I know. It'd be absolutely amazing. Uh, Florida Niner fanatics is Kyle Huschek. Love the show. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. I, I'm glad Kyle Huschek got a random shout out there. Don't know what part of the show. Probably a vote. It was a vote. It was a vote for probably, you know, underrated. most improved, I mean, underrated, yeah. something like that. Bruce R. Who's in the chat all the time. says, happy birthday, Larry. Appreciate the Niners coverage. Think it will be weekend upsets prediction. Texans, Dolphins, Steelers, Rams, Eagles. Wow. Steelers to beat the Bills in Buffalo. Well, Dolphins to beat Chiefs in KC. Wow. Bruce. Larry, is we always get at least what? Two road wins. Right? Isn't that kind of the formula? You always get a couple of road wins here. So, you know, Browns is kind of expected. We need someone then to join the upset parade. Dolphins. I think Green Bay. I think Green Bay is that team. Right. And then honestly, the Eagles are probably that team, too. The Eagles should be that team, right? The Eagles should go to Tampa and win, but they might not. <laughs> yeah, let's hope they don't. Because um, I want to see Sirianni just seriously. I'd love to see Sirianni fired after how smug he was earlier this year. Uh, 49er fan LA says the difference this time around is we finally have a legit quarterback. His confidence is unmatched. He really believes he's the best. Just play mistake free. That's a good observation. And the last one here, JJ Raider. Happy birthday, Larry. Thank you, JJ. Appreciate you, brother. Um, good stuff, Damon. There was one topic that my friend Kyle Posey wrote a great story on Niners Nation. And I would encourage you. It's a very, it's a short story. Um, kind of like a Jack London short story. No, but um the uh, which unit do you have more faith in for the 49ers heading into the playoffs? The Niners' offense or the Niners' defense? It's not. It's not a bad uh, little topic, right there. What do you think? Well, I have more faith in the Niners' offense than I've had ever before, just based on they got their quarterback, they got the playmakers, and they've got the running back to do it all, and they've had the point totals. And I just think that Kyle Shanahan, with a script coming out, has been deadly. All year. I mean, the 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 10 touchdowns on opening drives in 17 games, the most amount of points scored in the NFL on opening drives, that all goes into the mix of, of why I would choose 
this offense. Again, the defense is good enough. That offense is as dangerous as I think we've seen it in the Shanahan era. Yeah, I would I would say I have more belief in the offense than the defense. Um, but I'll say this with the 49ers having rest, I think rest is a big part of it. Um, I mentioned well, to Fred Warner. Right. What's missed that? tackles. Missed tackles is probably the biggest ramification of an unrested Niner team. So rest, if rest truly equals that you could draw a straight parallel line between rested and tackling proficiency, then the Niners are about to whip some ass. <laughs> By the way, the San Francisco Giants have agreed to a four-year, $44 million contract with free agent right-hander Jordan Hicks. I and like that's a, this. That's a good I, deal. That's a Well, I like this one because this guy throws smoke. He does. I mean, you got Jordan Hicks as a 27-year-old throwing smoke in front of Doval. Eleven like million that. a year. That's it. Eleven million a year. Forty-four mil for Jordan Hicks. I like that addition a lot. I'll be doing a video on that when this is over. Um, yeah, I really like that. That's a great one. At first, I was thinking, is it, you talking about the Yankee outfielder? But that's Aaron Hicks. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Yes. I was like, they either they just overpaid dramatically for an outfielder coming off a nightmare year. No, it's the it's the hard throwing former Cardinal right handed reliever who throws, what, 106 or something like that? Look, the only shot. I did think he hit 104 on the clock for sure, maybe 106. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. That is smoke, dude. Um, I love that. I love love guys um, throwing super hard out of the pen because guess what? When you throw that hard, you can miss in the middle of the plate and it's okay. Get away with it. Yeah. And and look, if the Niners are going to have, or excuse me, if the Giants are going to have any shot, of just remaining and forget about competing. Better shut if they're, it going down. To, if they're going to have a summer that even invites you to pay a little bit of attention, they got to be pitching, 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 pitching. And it's time for them to absolutely just go out and overpay for Snell. Go get Cody Bellinger, by the way. I don't want to be pitching, 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 pitching. I want to be hitting, 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 hitting. But here's the, hitting that, that that ship has sailed. That's not going to happen. You can get Reese Hoskins right now. You can get you can, Cody Bellinger right now. I mean, hitting, hitting, Farhan, hitting, what's your hitting, aversion hitting. to dangerous hitters? Get, here's what get he, one. They're going to have to. The reason why I like the Hicks. You got to keep trying, though. I, I know what you're right. saying, Damon. I agree with your premise, which is be good on the mound. But you still got to score some runs, man. They do. Got to score some runs. Here's the thing: the best way for the Giants to win is to really be that team that's playing seven inning games. Yeah, get a oh, lead. Yeah. You get have to shut it down when you lead in the seven. Yeah, exactly. You get if more than five blown saves this year means the Giants aren't going to the postseason. And by the way, they're not going to the postseason anyways. So. <laughs> We're going to the postseason before they're going to the postseason. A uh, strawberry reacts as man. Larry's a closet Packer fan. No, you know what I am though. I'm a I'm a, a keen observer of personnel momentum because I really think that's that's what people don't notice. They don't know all the talent, and so people don't know when a team's just pretty good or when they have legitimate personnel momentum. And Brian Gutekunst, uh is the GM there in Green Bay. He's a very good young GM, and they have personnel momentum. And I know it. Now you know it. And this weekend, the Cowboys are going to know it. And Mike McCarthy is going to be, you know, going to unfortunately be the guy who knows it up close because it's going to cost him his gig. And let's face it, Gudekinst was the recipient of an awful lot of bad press because he was the guy who had to hand Aaron Rodgers his walking papers. And there was a massive public pushback from Rodgers himself. Good he again. traded up for Jordan Love. A lot of people ripped him for that, but now Jordan Love's coming of age. You know, right. looking looking like a Rodgers or a Favre. So right, it's 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 all coming into focus, and Lafleur knows what he's doing. So yeah, it's Packers are the the, the demise of the Green Bay Packers and the seeding of the NFC North to just the Lions and the Vikings has been a bit over exaggerated. Um, Green Bay is the best organization in that division. No doubt. No, and doubt. I think Lions and Packers battle for that thing for the next five, six years. And what a mistake I believe the Chicago Bears made by retaining Matt Eberflus. I just, I, I don't get it. You're either going to have a defensive coordinator, a defensive, a defensive coach 
presiding over the all-important third year of Justin Fields or you're moving off of Justin Fields and you're taking a QB number one in the draft and you're leaving. So Eberflus is unqualified to either take that next step with Fields or groom the next quarterback, and he remains the head coach. I don't get what Chicago is doing. I that, That's a poorly run organization and has been for decades. You mean, I never liked Eberflus. I, I told Tom, I told Tate, you know, Eberflus needs like double Amici's with more sausage and, 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 and garlic. Definitely extra garlic for Eberflus. I wrote down one name and it was not Eberflus. <laughs> and here we are. Peace. <laughs>